It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Pride. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. Alongside Jeff Fiegels, Paul Dettino, I'm Lance Meadow. Good to be with you as we take you up till the next 60 minutes. Monday night football tonight. Giants Chiefs wrap up week number eight. So we'll delve into that matchup. We'll go over the latest injury report. We are also a day away from the NFL trade deadline. And boy, things are heating up before we even came on the airwaves. We'll get to that as well. Multiple ways you can interact with us here on the program. 201-939-4513. You could also hit us up on Twitter, hashtag Giants Chat. A reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So we got the marquee matchup tonight in Kansas City as the Giants will try to solve the Chiefs' riddle. As far as the latest injury report goes, guys, let's start there because we found out on Saturday, given everything is pushed back a day, that Saquon Barkley and Kenny Galladay are out tonight. I don't think that was necessarily a surprise. They did not practice at all this week. Also, Lorenzo Carter's dealing with an ankle injury, so he is out. And Carter Coughlin was a late addition to the injury report. They're also going to be without him due to an ankle injury, as well as Nate Ebner. Now, Sterling Shepard, Kadarius Toney, both questionable. Both traveled with the team. According to reports, it seems as if there's an optimistic outlook, Jeff, that perhaps they're going to get both of those guys back in the mix, which will go a long way to help Daniel Jones in this offense try to compete and match what Patrick Mahomes and company have to offer. Well, I have to start with special teams, obviously, right? That's just what I do. 100%. You, you lose Ebner and Coughlin. By the way, uh, Carter Coughlin is your number one uh, tackler on special teams this year. So losing both of those guys hurts you a little bit. Um, getting back, I'm guessing that uh, Sterling and Kadarius are going to play. Uh, if they made the team, I think that uh, they were practicing pretty good this week. So that's a big plus for this Giants offense because uh, you've got some playmakers there. And you've got some experience with Sterling Shepard. And you're going to need it against uh, this Chiefs team. And boy... What an opportunity to go up against a Chiefs defense that hasn't played well all year. Doesn't mean that they're they're not really they're well they're not good. Yeah, I'm just I'll just say it. They're not good. Okay. <laughs> Don't beat around I'm, the bush. I'm yeah. not going to beat around the bush on that one. They're not good. We'll talk more and more I'm about that. I'm going to tell Spags <laughs> on you. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know. Please don't, Paul. Don't do that. Thank you. <laughs> but you know, it is what it is. You know, you know how uh, Bill Parcells. Paul always said your record is it. you are what you are, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Well, they are what they are. You look at these stats. But um, back to Kadarius and Sterling, you know, anytime you can get your playmakers back, that's a plus because this team needs them. They really do. So it should be fun to watch. Hopefully they, they are active tonight and ready to go. You now, mentioned – oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Paul, yeah. Well, you mentioned Tony and Shepard, and I think that's very important, Lance, because if you've watched any of the, the Kansas City tape, what you see is a team – that is not getting any pass rush at all out of its standard defensive front. That's why Spags is blitzing a third of the time, which is one of the higher frequencies in the NFL, and they're still not getting home. And the shame of that is for him is that he doesn't have the secondary to hold up. So as often as he's sending guys, and then when they don't get there, boy, are you in a pickle when it comes to the back end. And his linebackers don't cover very well at all either. So well, they it's have not one missing. Yeah, yeah, it's Hutchins. Yeah, so yeah, it, Hitchens, and he's yeah. he's athletic. 
So it's not like he can he can kind of use a zone back there and say, okay, you know, we'll use a zone in the back and send pressure, and maybe that can kind of contain things. He can't even do that because he's so hampered by the lack of talent. You know, this is what happens when you pay too much money under the salary cap and you get too high of a percentage of your salary being designated to a certain few number of players. You wind up stripping the rest of your team, and you leave yourself in a pickle. And that's where the Chiefs are. God bless them for paying Mahomes all the money they're going to pay him over the next five or six years because they are going to be in the soup. But having said that, here's the situation. <laughs> if you're the I mean, as if they shouldn't invest I mean, in Patrick Mahomes. Well, <laughs> And by the way, you said soup. You were eating soup before we came on the show. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that Patrick Mahomes (laughs) is not the most dangerous quarterback in football because he is. Okay, this goes back to my statement all along is that there should be a quarterback salary cap. When you start paying your quarterback. Now, I know it's backloaded. So and I'm not even sure what his number is this year today. But I know as the years go on, his percentage is going to go up and up and up and up, and it's going to put them in a very serious pickle. That's what happened with Minnesota and Kirk Cousins, although they're winning, winning some games lately. They're in trouble because they gave too much money to the quarterback. You can't give that much money to one position and expect over the long term to be a championship-caliber team. It's just not going to work. The math will not work. Having said all of that, here's the deal with tonight's game. Their secondary is having all kinds of problems, and they can't get home. So you know what you do? You put four wide receivers on the field. you got to hope that your front offensive line can do a respectable job to contain what has been a lackluster pass rush, okay? If you're going to keep your five standard guys in, right, and you say, fellas, just give me enough. I want to run double receivers to each side, run a two-by-two. Run Shepard in one slot, run Tony in the other slot. The Chiefs won't have a prayer in hell of covering those two guys. I'm telling you right now, I would use a lot of two-by-two formations with Tony in one slot and Shepard in the other. I think that would cause a living hell for the (laughs) Chiefs defense. Well, I think the thing with the secondary right now is the fact that, as you mentioned, Chris Jones and Frank Clark have not been in their lineup consistently. They are going to have both of those guys out there. You had Clark sideline, Jones was in. Jones was sideline, Clark was in. So that, to me, has also impacted their pass rush. But I like the matchup for the Giants receiving core, regardless of whether or not the Kansas City Chiefs get this pass rush going, because they have some youth. You got Charvarius Ward, who's been dealing with injuries. He's one of their main cornerbacks. We'll see whether or not he can go, because he's listed as questionable coming into this game. He's now dealing with a foot injury. He, prior to that, was dealing with a quad injury. So they've been using Rashad. Fenton, who was their sixth-round pick in 2019. Legereus Sneed is a young guy, but, you know, he's also still getting used to life in the NFL. And Tyron Matthew, I don't think, has been as opportunistic of a player, big game-changer, as he was in previous years. And I think that goes back to, once again, they're expecting the secondary to make up for not getting home. So we'll see whether or not the Giants' offensive line. You still need to protect Daniel Jones in this game, Jeff. I mean, that's the one thing that I think we can't just brush to the side. The numbers don't look good for the Chiefs' pass rush, but once again, I would argue, I don't think we've seen enough of Chris Jones and Frank Clark in the lineup simultaneously. And the last thing you want to do is allow the Chiefs to have their get-right game because you didn't handle your business up front. Well, I mean, you want to be able to have uh, Daniel Jones operate the way he 
can be successful, and that's when there's not pressure in his face. So do what you got to do. Exactly. You got to protect this guy, roll the pocket a little bit if you need to, do some things. Jason Garrett needs to do some things to get him comfortable and, and get the ball into those playmakers' hands, like Paul said, and expose that secondary. You know, good things happen when you get the ball out quickly. And by the way, this team is not very good at defending the run either. So if you can get that going, yeah. then you got yourself a good, nice little game plan that you can mix and match some things as far as, uh, you know, down and distance going into uh, this game tonight. The one thing about keeping them honest, if you can get somewhat of a running game going, is that Matthew has lost a step. Okay, he's been in this league now for a good decade. And if you watch the tape, he has clearly lost a step. That's why it doesn't matter where they put him. You know, he's he's expected to cover the whole field because they wildcard him all over the place. He's he's a, he's a wildcard. He's a rover. Yeah. And and the the thing about it is though, he's just not as quick as he used to be, and he's a step too slow very often. His only two picks this year came in one game against Baltimore, and he had a pick six on one of them when he jumped a route. Okay, but it, it was a very easy one to jump. It's it's not the same player that he was years ago. And quite frankly, Frank Clark isn't the same player he was before they got him in a trade. I mean, well, it's... He's it, been it's, slowed by injuries, too, in fairness. Yeah, no so. question. But it doesn't matter. The reality is he is what he is. Hey, real quickly. So, you know, when I'm breaking down a game, I try to look at some of the things that, that teams are not doing very well. And, and then you take what you do well, the Giants team, and try to try to and, and look at the matchup. The one good thing about the Giants, okay, that we know no, this isn't a good thing, by the way, their red zone efficiency. The Giants are not very good in that category. However, the Chiefs are not. They're not very good at, at stopping people in the red zone. So what do we know about the Chiefs? We know that this team can put up points just in a minute, right? So you're going to have to be able to uh, compete with that. And there is kind of a matchup there that I see is that the Giants can do well against a team that, does, that gives up a lot of points in um, in the red zone. The other one is this. This team, if you want to run the football and get some good good chunk yardage things on first and second downs, this team defensively is not very good on third downs. Now, their offense is really, really good on third downs. In fact, they're, they're first in the league. But yeah. their defense is not. So yeah, there's the a nice way defense. to try to, to match that up and get some good, good, good runs or whatever you want to do on first and second down because you will have an opportunity – to get third down conversions, which, by the way, gives you the chance to move the ball down the field, to take time off the clock, to keep that offense for the Chiefs off the field. And then when you get into the red zone, we need quarter, we need scores tonight. The Giants need touchdowns. They're not going to win this game with field goals. So those are a couple of just kind of statistical things that I'm looking at in tonight's game. Yeah, Carolina struggled with their red zone defense also. Now the Giants did not capitalize on that first possession, yes. but then they scored on the final two. So they finished two for three. So that was a game where, okay, you went up against a team that had trouble keeping teams out of the end zone, and you made them pay. Can the Giants duplicate that? I absolutely agree with you, Jeff. That's a huge storyline. Now, obviously, we could always talk about, well, it's easier to just avoid the red zone, get the explosive play, and then not have to worry about what goes on inside the 20. But I don't think the Giants can necessarily bank on that. That's why they have to finish drives. I mean, that's the bottom line. That's right. They have to be efficient on third down, to your point. Mm -hmm meaning if you could run the ball on first and second down, or to Paul's point, if you utilize four wide receivers, who cares if you throw the ball on first yeah. and second down for a short four or five-yard pass? It's right. the equivalency of the run game. But then make the Chiefs pay. 
keep the defense on the field, and then do the same if you get into those tight quarters inside the 20. I think the results are still very up and down. So I'm not brushing your point aside, Jeff. It's just when they have an attractive matchup, given their up and down efficiency on this giant side, Mm -hmm. I don't take it for granted that that's a layup line, I guess is what I'm saying for New York. Well, especially last week, you know, they they, they struggled and then they kind of got it. Remember, in the first half, they they crossed the 55 times. You know, and they weren't able to do anything. You you need to exactly. if you're going to do that with this this game tonight, then you're going to be in trouble. You've got to go and and get down into that red zone, and, and and God forbid if you don't get the touchdowns, you know, kick field goals. That's fine, but you need points. You're going to need points against this Chiefs team. Now, the other notable injury with respect to this game is not necessarily on the Giants side of things. I just want to go to the Chiefs side of things. Mike Remmers, who is the former Giant that has been starting at right tackle each of the last two games. He's coming into this game with a question mark. Now, I listened to what Andy Reid had to say following Saturday's practice, and he indicated that he got some work in on Saturday, but he's dealing with a knee injury. Remember, Mm -hmm. Mike Remmers, Paul, took over for Lucas Niang, who was struggling and also was dealing with a hamstring injury. So if they're down Remmers, my guess would be Niang would reclaim the starting job unless maybe they go with Andrew Wiley or one of their other veteran offensive linemen because they do have some depth on the back end of that offense offensive line well Niang was flat out benched because he just wasn't doing the job I mean remember I I gave this stat the other day on the show I don't know if you were on the program Lance combined quarterback sacks quarterback pressures and quarterback hits that number combined for Patrick Mahomes going into this weekend's game was 72 which was tied for the second most of any quarterback in the NFL he is getting harassed big time I mean, by comparison, Daniel Jones's number is only 55. That gives you an indication of, of the, the kind of pressure that he's been facing. Now, we know he's got great legs, and we know he can throw from any arm angle, from any position on the field. Off balance doesn't matter. From his tippy toes, he can throw it. You know, So we get that. But the point is, Niang was benched for Mike Remmers. Now, Mike Remmers, I thought, was a functional tackle when he played for the Giants a couple of years back. But, again, he's been banged up. He's older and functional. Functional was good then. I don't know. I mean, Niang Niang had that job to start the season. He was a backup, and they had to pull him. That doesn't say a lot about Mike Remmers right now. And as you say, he's working off of a, a sprained knee. Look, if I'm Leonard Williams, and I know that that's my side usually. He will flop sometimes, but that's usually Leonard Williams' side. I'm licking my chops right now. Because that, that's going to be a potential big game for me. And remember, he's going to be the front side of Mahomes. Now, even though Mahomes can throw going to his left, he's got the most incredible arm that, that God's ever created. Okay? Maybe him and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the truth is, he's going to be much more dangerous when scrambling to the front side. So if Leonard Williams can do what he needs to do and consistently win the edge and get into Mahomes' front side and not let him get out to the numbers and start throwing on the run. It's going to be a tremendous asset to this Giants defense. Well, they're coming off by far their best pressure performance, the Giants against the Carolina Panthers. And it's not just sacks. I mean, they had 10 quarterback hits. So Mm -hmm. can they duplicate that against another team that is struggling? I would argue, though, I think Mahomes' mobility in and out of the pocket is far more efficient than Sam Darnold. So the challenge at hand 
is now all of a sudden picked up a notch because also of what Paul just said, Jeff Mahomes, even when he gets out of the pocket, sometimes he makes the most challenging passes look relatively easy. So to me, it's a little bit different of an animal going up against Sam Darnold versus Mahomes this week. Well, yeah, because, you know, we've seen it time and time again. And, and, and listen, Sam Darnold, I mean, watching the game this weekend, he made some plays with his legs. And, you know, he's able to do that. He, he scored five touchdowns going into the Giants game a few weeks ago. But, and he got but, hurt yesterday, but, by the way, too. With yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. he's here's the thing. Mahomes, he does not want to run. You know, even though he can run, he doesn't want to run. He's going to make it look like he wants to, but he's going to wait as long as he can because he knows that he can successfully, and we've seen it, throw the ball down the field whether he's looking at you or not, and he'll make big plays. The problem is is that if you're a team that cannot hold the coverages and get and, and cover these guys down the field, he's going to make a play on you. So that's why the two-deep safety look that a lot of these teams use against him help that. And so I would imagine that tonight you'll probably see a little of that, probably a lot of that with the Giants. But, you know, puts a lot of pressure on those guys in the back end to hold those coverages if he gets out of that pocket. Like Paul said, you got to contain him somehow. I mean, listen, there's been teams that have gone up with a two- and three-man rush with a spy as a linebacker and cover everybody else. I mean, there's tons of things that teams have done to try to combat Patrick Mahomes. It'll be very interesting to see what Patrick Graham dials up to tonight's game as far as coverages and pressure and things like that. But, you know, obviously we've been watching him play this year, and the MO on him is, you know, you gotta if you get pressure on him, he's gonna throw you interceptions, and so that's that's a lot easier said than done, right, Paul? I mean, you, you got to sure. be able to get in his face, um, but you know, listen, with Remmers and the two tackle position there that you're talking about, the two guys, I mean, listen, you got a good opportunity there to expose those players and and guys like Leonard Williams. I mean, uh, obviously Carter is out of the lineup tonight, but you know, Quincy Roche, I'd like to see him on some of that outside rush today because he's kind of. He's kind of up and coming. You I know, like on, what he's on, done. On the other side, Jeff, Ojolari <clears> is going to be going up against Orlando Brown, who has had a struggle this year. Mm-hmm. He has not given them what they wanted. You know, he was screaming in Baltimore, I want to play left tackle. <laughs> I'm not going to play right tackle anymore. I want to play left tackle. And what happened? Well, a team traded for him to play him at left tackle, and he hasn't worked out so well. So maybe he should have said the grass isn't so green around the left side and should have just shut his mouth and stayed on the right side. Hmm. But in any event, he's over there now, and he's having trouble. Yeah, And, and so is, you know, Ojolari, got- uh, let's see. Let's see what the rookie can do to him. Well, rookies, you got you got two rookies on that offensive line for the Chiefs. You got Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith. Those guys are both That's rookies the interior, themselves. Yeah. So, you know, and I don't care who you are and what position you play. When you're a rookie, you got problems. You, you, just, you just do, you know. So – um, talk about matchups again. We can talk about all this all we want about matching up those four defensive linemen for the Giants against this offensive line of the Chiefs because this is what the Chiefs needed to do in order to get better. They needed to improve their offensive line, and this is exactly what they thought they've done. But I don't know. To this point, it doesn't look very good to me. You know what, Jeff? The, the blueprint for the Giants to win this game, we'll talk about it on the pregame show tonight. I guess we're on the air tonight starting at what time? 645. Guess? No, there's no guess in that yeah. at all. There's, this, is, <laughs> this is a fact that yes. we will be That's on the, the air tonight, Paul. Okay, 645 on WFAN <laughs> and the Giants radio network. Okay, so now here's the deal. I'm not going to go into all of that, but what I will say is this. For the Giants to be able to hold the game plan in place, okay, obviously execution is going to be necessary to win this game. But if they're going to follow the, the path to victory, they need to make sure they don't get behind. 
okay? Because the way the Chiefs get beaten is they've got to continue to play from behind to where they are one-dimensional so that you can tee off with the pass rush. That's where they've been having the most trouble. You can't let their running game get started. Edward Solaire's out with a knee injury. Williams hasn't shown a hell of a lot in the running game whatsoever. So teams have been playing a lot of six and seven DBs against them, okay? And I'm sure the Giants will too, which to be honest with you, that's why I don't think Lorenzo Carter being out of the game tonight's that big a deal mm-hmm. because that strong side linebacker is probably going to wind up being an extra safety anyway mm-hmm. because that's what teams do against this, this Kansas right. City squad. Yep. Now, Carter would be more important if the Giants can't stop Kansas City from running the ball. I don't think Kansas City can run the ball. But if suddenly they get that running game fixed tonight and they start running the ball, that from the very get-go. Patrick Graham is right when he says it, and I know it's usually the case every weekend. But you've got to make sure that you don't let them get any ground attack going. You want to keep Kansas City. I know it sounds nuts, but you want the ball in Mahomes' hand. You want him throwing that ball as much as possible. I know, it just gives you chills thinking about it, but that's really what you want if you're the Giants defense so that you can play with extra defensive backs, snap in and snap out. (laughs) Well, and the other thing that I would add to that is also I think you need to just contain the running backs from doing damage through their touches because Mahomes will also dump it off to the running backs on some screens Jarek McKinnon, I know, hasn't gotten a big volume of touches, but he's more than capable of doing that, and Williams, too, could catch the ball. So, you know, they look to run the ball similar to what we were talking about the Giants could do. Just dump it off to the running backs. You don't have to run it the conventional way. Just give it to the running back and let him pick up three to four yards. So that's another extension of what's important for the Giants to keep in check. The other thing is, similar to what Tampa Bay did in the Super Bowl, I don't think you can afford to be ultra-aggressive early on, especially if you don't want to fall behind by blitzing the hell out of Mahomes. I think you need your front four guys to win the battles up front so this way you have the protection on the back end because here's the other thing. If you get too aggressive with Mahomes and he all of a sudden scrambles around and Tyreek Hill is matched up against a cornerback or a safety, Hill in the end is going to win that battle. Same thing with Travis Kelsey. You can't cover these guys for more than you know three to four seconds and that's what Mahomes is so good at doing. He'll buy his receivers time and then he knows in the scramble drill the defensive back is never going to win that. Lance, all you did was watch the two films against Buffalo and Tennessee. Combined, those two teams blitzed him once in mm-hmm. eight quarters. Yeah. yeah. And they scored well, 20 points against Buffalo and three points against Tennessee. No, you don't blitz Mahomes. It's no. like in the old days you used to talk about you don't blitz Tom Brady. You don't blitz Eli Manning. Because if you're not sure that your blitz can get there, those are the kinds of quarterbacks who will make you pay dearly and Mahomes is one of those guys so I would say no I stick stick with your standard front and play your seven dbs yeah that's exact that's that that is the blueprint for for rush you got to be able to get there without blitzing drop seven and keep everything you know Patrick Mahomes lives and dies with that big big play potential with his guys and like you said Lance if you get him outside the pocket what is he doing he is totally buying time for his playmakers to get open and he's got such a great arm, and, and this, he's a magician at getting the ball to those receivers. Um, but if you decide to just let him kind of dink and dunk things, he's like a little kid. He will get bored to death with that. And before you know it, he'd be like, God, I hate this. And then he's just going to start throwing it all over the place, and we're gonna, the Giants are going to pick it off, and that's what you got to do to him. So 
It's so easy for us to talk about this, isn't it? Well, of course, and then it's another thing to execute it, though. That's the other <laughs> exactly. side of the equation. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, that's the, the players need issue. to make it happen. Correct. We could tell yeah. them how to do it, yeah. but they got to it Well, I'm sure that they've talked through. about all this this week. You know, no Now it's just a matter yeah. of them going out and doing it, all right. um, and we'll see what happens. Lines are full, Lance. Light, lighting up like a Christmas tree. Well, I know. Trust me. We're I'm just letting you know. the conversation. I know. I, listen, I got the document in front of me. I'm well aware <laughs> of the communication going on in this program. Pearson's down, got Paul. happy fingers I mean, over I there. You, he wants I know to we have a game buttons. tonight, but, you know, relax. 201 I've been up since 4 o'clock. Come on. 4513. I'm not surprised to hear that. All right. We're moving along here on Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Lance Meadow, Jeff Eagles, Paul Dettino. Let's open up the lines. Mike is in Oakland. He gets us going here on BBKL. What's happening, Mike? Hey, fellas, happy Monday. Um, I like I like Fiegel's, uh take on tonight's game. Let's Thank go with you. that. Yeah. Um, so I call really – I just want to throw two things out at you. Um, first thing, linebackers. Second thing, Matt Parrott. So I want to say, you know, tough year for Giants linebackers, particularly losing Blake Martinez. So, you know, in comes Bernardrick McKinney. And I know you can't judge much from 11 snaps, but the fact he showed up at all in 11 snaps I think is pretty promising. And, um, you know, I read an article this weekend. Joe Judge had a lot of positive things to say about him and his preparation in the locker room. So I'm hoping that this guy gets more snaps tonight and um, has a real impact. Well, I think that like any player who just arrives, they're going to work them in slowly. So that's why the snap count wasn't overwhelming. And remember, he was somebody called up from the practice squad, not necessarily on the active roster. But McKinney's got a lot of experience. Unfortunately, he dealt with injuries last year, and that limited his opportunities to ultimately stay with the Dolphins. So the Giants picked him up, and there's no reason why he can't be a presence in the middle of the defense. But you remember, if we go back to what we were talking about earlier, Mike, if you're more concerned about defending the receivers you're making sure you get the coverage guys on the field tonight, more so than maybe the guys that could stop the run. You're right, So that's Lance. the other thing you got to take into consideration. McKinney is a one-and-two-down run-stopping yeah. linebacker. He does not have very good coverage skills, and he doesn't have great range. He's a between-the-tackles run-stuffer who will shoot the gaps, flood the lanes, and he's a downhill tackling machine. That's what he did in Houston when he made the Pro Bowl a few years ago, and that's why the Giants picked him up. I would not expect him to be on the field very much at all tonight. All right, fair enough. Um, so, uh, other thing, I just wanted to jump jump on uh, Matt Parrott's bandwagon a little bit, just because you know I know the jury's still out on whether he's a legitimate quality right tackle. Um, oh, he's a left he tackle now. <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding. Hopefully, not for too long. Um, but you know, he, he he was supposed to be a developmental. Um, you know, prospect when we brought him in. And then I think that, you know, there was a lot of disappointment because the what people were talking about at the beginning of the season was that he didn't beat Nate Solder out for the right tackle spot. Well, you're talking about Cam Fleming because Solder wasn't on the team last year. No, I'm talking about Is this that, year. That, oh, okay, that, this year. I'm sorry. Happened. I thought you were referring to the previous year when Cam Fleming was yeah. there. Yeah. Gotcha. No, I'm just saying, like, you know, this year everybody was hoping that Pert would beat Solder out and then, you know, Solder started – uh, at right tackle. And so there's this narrative right now that Pert just, you know, is this huge disappointment. But I just kind of, you know, I was reading through stuff and I found, you know, Matt Pert had a back injury. Correct. And yeah. so, I don't, so I don't know that it's fair to say that he lost the job to Nate Solder because I'm not, it doesn't sound like he was really practicing much, really had an opportunity to win that Please job. Please tell right? me what day on, on the calendar that the newspaper writers have been fair to guys like Matt Pert. Because they haven't been. No, they, look, it's great to pile on. It's low-hanging fruit, 
and they'll attack anybody mm -hmm. that they can. Matt Pert was dealing with a back injury. It slowed his development during training camp. We were all disappointed, I think. All of the observers of the Giants were disappointed that he wasn't 100% because it did inhibit his ability to beat out Solder for the job. Having said that, right. because Solder was coaxed into coming back this year by head coach Joe Judge because he trusts him and he knows him for so long and he feels good about him, you had to figure that if Parrott was slowed at all, that Solder would have a legitimate chance to wrestle that job away. And that's, that's a lot because Solder and, and Judge have a history. Well, so I appreciate you taking my call. Love the show. I'll just leave you with this thought. You know, Pert had a good game against the Panthers, so there's still a chance that with Andrew Thomas and Matt Pert, we have our bookend tackles. And all the calls at the beginning of the season about how KC rebuilt their offensive line in one season before they'd proven anything, how's that line looking now? Yeah. Well, good I mean, point. you have to understand, Mike, the two guys on the line, as Jeff brought up, two of them are rookies. On paper, I can tell you, you revamp your line. Just because you revamp your line, you bring in young guys. They still have to play games, ultimately. So, you know, they have a mixture of young guys and proven veterans and appreciate the phone call. They went out. They got Orlando Brown Jr. in a trade. They signed Joe Tooney, who was with the Patriots. Okay, that's the left side. Jeff mentioned earlier, you got Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith on the interior. And then Lucas Niang opted out in 2020. So he came back. He dealt with a hamstring injury and then lost his job. And then Mike Remmers was already on the team. So the guys who had started last year became their depth, and they gave the young guys an opportunity. To me, it's a little bit misleading in terms of them revamping the line. Some of the guys were on the roster last year. They now just gave them opportunities to start. So context is important. When you talk about the makeup of an offensive line, it's not just getting rid of five guys from last year, bringing in five new guys, and all of a sudden, you know, you have five pro bowlers on the line. It just doesn't work like that. Got to look at the resumes of these individuals. Let's head back to the phone lines. JB is in Delaware joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, JB? Paul, Jeff, Lance, how we feeling, guys? Hi, hey, you're all right. What's on your mind? Yeah, you know, I'm amped up. Monday Night Football, I think it's possible, man. I really do. But uh, listen, let's talk about expectations, guys. You know, we're walking into enemy territory in Kansas City, under the lights, whole nation watching us. You know, what do you guys expect to see from this Giants team tonight? You know, what do you expect to see from all three phases of the ball, offense, defense, special teams tonight? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> listen, I, I could tell you this. The, the Giants are horrible on Monday Night Football. So I'm just, just going to throw that out there, okay? And I'm just, you know, he's saying what I expect. This is a tough matchup for the Giants. I know that we talk about all these numbers and the defense and this and that. Remember this. This is the defending AFC championship, AFC champions. They are desperate. I mean, this is a team. This is a big game for them tonight. They're playing on their home field, the national television. I mean, this is a tough one to go in. Um but, you know, somehow the, the Giants managed to pull this thing off. This could turn a Giants team the whole season around. And maybe in the second half of the season, we might be talking about something positive here. But this is a tough matchup for the Giants today because of those things that I told you. I said this on last week's show that I played in, in Arrowhead Stadium many, many times. It is the most difficult place to play. It is loud, okay, and it's difficult to call out signals and things like that so you got to be on your best behavior as far as penalties goes and you cannot get into a situation where these penalties are setting you back so this is a tough task for the Giants but but Paul and I talked about this Paul has a great he thinks that the Giants have a great chance to win tonight if they play well that's the that's the bottom line they can't shoot themselves in the foot at all here 
They got to no, play a and, perfect game. And that's it, Jeff. Really what this comes down to mm-hmm. is the the Kansas City Chiefs, no matter – we could cite a bunch of trends for you right now that show you the Chiefs are going in the wrong direction if we wanted to do that, but you can't believe that stuff. You know why? Because they've got Hill, they've got Kelsey, and they've got Mahomes. Now, their defense is what it is. That is just not a good defense right now. In fact, it's a very poor defense. Mm-hmm. I have no problem telling you – the Giants can score in the high 20s and maybe even eclipse 30 tonight. I honestly believe that is very realistic. After what I saw last week against Carolina, which has a much better defense, by the way, than the Chiefs do, I think the Giants can do that. My whole question on this game tonight is, do the Giants have a bunch of missed tackles and stupid penalties and not take advantage of potential takeaway opportunities on defense? Which all adds up to one word, execution. If they execute properly, there's no reason why they can't win this game if they score 24 to 30 points. There's absolutely no reason they can't win this game. But then again, if they've got 14 missed tackles, they drop an interception, they have a couple of third-down penalties that lead to first downs that allow Kansas City to continue march forward on a drive and score touchdowns, well, then they'll wind up losing like 38 to 27. And, and I could very easily see the game going that way. This is all about making sure you are buttoned down and just play the game as it's supposed to be played. See, that's why this is a huge challenge for the Giants' defense tonight because Kansas City has been losing games because of turnovers. They have not been losing games because they're failing to move the football. Offensively speaking, Kansas City has a a top 10 offense. Yeah, absolutely. The turnovers are stalling drives, and then what teams are doing is – the defenses are giving the ball back to their respective offenses, and the offenses are capitalizing on those extra possessions, right. which means Kansas City doesn't have nearly as many at-bats to come back from those deficits and make up for it. But here's the question. Are you going into this game just penciling in the Giants are going to have three or four takeaways? Because I'm not. I don't think no. you could bank on that. You can't It's do not that. to say, Jeff and Paul, that no. the Giants haven't been opportunistic. They have one takeaway in every game. But I go back to their offense hasn't then said, thank you very much, we'll take it from here. So that's why I look at it as it's a big challenge for the Giants' defense. If you don't get takeaways in this game, can you stop Kansas City consistently the conventional way if they march up and down the field? Look at I don't this think way. the Giants' defense has proven that. Lance, the Giants must and I mean must with a capital M, they must pile up conversion points. Now, I, I, let me explain what that means. Conversion points means points that you score off of a takeaway or off of a short field. That is critical tonight for yeah. this team. Well, but what I'm saying, that's been lacking this season. That's my point, Paul. For the Giants. Yeah. For the Giants. I don't, yeah. care, I don't yeah. care what the trends are. What yeah. I care about is what happens tonight, and they need to do it. Yeah, no, I'm completely with you. It's just I go by track record overall for a team, and I could see opportunities coming with the takeaways, but then what happens on the opposite side of the equation? So, I mean, that to me is why I still say the defense has a big challenge in whether or not it could be as opportunistic as the other Chiefs' opponents this season. And then, of course, the complementary aspect with respect to the offense. You got anything else, JB? Yeah, yeah, and uh, my last question was going to be, and I'll take this one off air, I was going to be, uh, you know, if the Giants somehow do pull this win off, you think this win would trump the Seattle win from last year? And I'll take it off air. Thanks so much, guys. I appreciate the phone call. Well, the Seattle win, they were down Daniel Jones. I don't think the Seahawks' offense is as dynamic as Kansas City. 
And I would say Seattle, though, has a better defense if you evaluate where that group was compared to Kansas City. So, you know, to me, you can really give one check mark to Kansas City for the offense, one check mark for Seattle for the defense, and then you take into consideration you were without your starting quarterback and how important that win was to stay in the hunt for the division title. I don't know. I don't know if a win tonight would trump the Seattle one, guys, based on those circumstances. Well, I mean, if you got to put it that way, I, I think um... – I mean, this is a tough place to go to win. Um, I think that, you know, for for anything, it would just, I mean, you get a two-game winning streak, and it just gives you some momentum for more than anything. I don't know what the situation was last year in Seattle when they played them and, you know, what the whole thing was. Did they, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know the history. Well, they needed to win to stay alive. Sure, yeah, correct. Th- exactly. That's what I'm so, saying. And yeah. they were playing with Colt McCoy at quarterback. <laughs> correct. I'm sorry. I yeah. don't I don't yeah. think I can over overstate that. And so I would say tonight's if they should win, I don't think it would top the Seattle game. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I'm with uh, Paul on that. Okay, I can understand that. Yeah. Well, no, but you I will tell you this: us, if they Jeff, did win, you're it, more than entitled to move the. No, game no, I, I, I see what you're yeah. saying, but to me, um, this is all about you know whatever. For me, a win here tonight would just prove that this team is is moving forward. And by the way, without Saquon Barkley. Okay, and Kenny Galladay winning mm-hmm. a game like this, that tells me that that gets me excited about the red, the second half of the season, knowing that those guys can become healthy if they can beat the Chiefs on the road. And, uh, and you know, let's just say that they do. Then everybody's going to say, well, the Chiefs just aren't that good this year. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. You won two in a row. You beat a Chiefs team that, that you know, may they may not be very good this year, but you went into Arrowhead and won a game. I mean, that's difficult to well, do. And oh, by the way, Jeff, no matter how you and I believe that it's realistic for the Giants to find a path to victory, most people around the country are thinking that they should be losing this game by well more than a touchdown. Well, yeah, I think at some okay. points it's nine points or something. And I know, think that's so. because they all think that this is the night where the Kansas City Chiefs magically wake Coming up from party. the dead. Yeah. Yeah. And and they're not recognizing the fact that the Chiefs do have significant problems. Yeah. They just think that, okay, no, no, Chiefs, they can't continue to be that bad. And that that's what I believe the emotional response is around the country. I, I, I tell you, so there's there's a couple things about Monday Night Football from a player's perspective. And I, I mentioned this last week that, you know, back in the day that Monday Night Football was the game. You know, and so everybody got up for Monday Night Football. Now you have Sunday nights, you have Thursday nights, you have all these primetime games. But, you know, back when Monday night was what it was, guys got up for this game. This was a huge deal when you got put on Monday Night Football. It, it kind of tells you that people think you're something, right? What, what I don't want this Giants team to do tonight is go and just and just put pressure on themselves to play. Just go and play like they, they can play. You know what I'm saying? So what happens is guys just put so much added pressure on them because it's a primetime game and they get all nervous and this and that, you know, and that's natural. But you got to contain that stuff. You got to just go and execute your game plan, make some plays. Man, I don't know about you guys, but. I got to watch a lot of football yesterday, something that I know all of us don't do on Sunday because we're always working and we don't get a chance to watch the Red Zone channel and all these things. My goodness, I watched so much football yesterday. The The common element to these teams that win consistently are guys that just they, they make plays and that they don't shoot themselves and they're, they're just, they play good football. And that's, what the, that's all the Giants have to do. Just don't make, don't make mistakes and, and make some plays and you got a chance. You got a chance to win if you can do that. That's By really the way, all it is. 
this narrative, Jeff, that you were hitting on, I'm not saying you agree with it, but mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, the national media is running with the Chiefs are broken and everyone has figured them out. <laughs> I don't yeah. understand. I was talking about this on my serious show this weekend. Mm -hmm. How is a team broken, guys, that is averaging 419 They're yards of broke. offense every single it's game? It's because Mahomes has more interceptions this year than Correct. he has in the last two exactly. years. So they put that narrative on it, right? That's a bunch of BS. Of course it's a bunch of BS. The other thing is the Chiefs are averaging, guys, 27 points per game. That's still yeah. eighth best in the NFL entering week eight. They have hit the 30 barometer multiple <laughs> times. It's, it's to me, just so ridiculous that people get caught up and they're coming off well, a very bad game where they scored three points. I get it. But that doesn't define an entire season. Lance, this is why the house wins more often than the gamblers do. Okay. But, you know, people look at the record. Oh, my God, the Chiefs are three and four. They were 14 and two last year. They must be broken. Look, the bottom line is they simply don't have a good offensive line and they don't have a good defense. Those are the reasons why you turn out to be three and four. Okay? It's very simple. <laughs> well, I think I, it's the, the defense clearly is struggling. There's no doubt about that. But I just think it's the offense that's getting plagued by the turnovers and people are mis. They're overlooking the fact that they're moving the ball up and down the field. They're just not finishing drives at the same rate they were last season. And that's because of the mishaps and the mistakes. But last year, I went back and I looked at the numbers, guys. They were, in terms of turnover differential, okay, last season through the first seven games, they were 6-1. They were plus 8. So if I take two teams with similar personnel, I tell you they're plus 8 through seven games one year. They're minus 10 the following calendar year. Is it really that surprising that the record goes from 6-1 and one to 3-4? and four? Well, no. when, you, when you have a dog pile for an offensive line like they did in the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay, that's even more of a reason than your takeaway ratio. Yeah, well, because you're down both of your starting tackles of, against exactly. what, arguably one of the best teams in the football and clearly the best team in so the NFC they, at that point. So they swapped out the whole offensive line, and they still got themselves a dog pile. Listen, this, this Chiefs team, when you think about it, guys, if you did not have the firepower and, you know, the offensive output that the Chiefs do, this, even this year, that like you, all the numbers that you just mentioned, if you had a defense that is as putrid as the Chiefs defense and you did not have a team like an offensive juggernaut like the Chiefs, you wouldn't, win, you wouldn't be winning any games. Sure. Oh, I it'd mean, be uglier. Th they yeah. would be 0-7 right now. Well, I mean, it, when make you make think it, about it. Make it clear, Jeff, it all comes down to the threesome. It's yeah. Hill, it's Kelsey, That's and it's Mahomes. It Absolutely. Those yeah. three guys will give the Chiefs a puncher's chance in every game mm -hmm. because you never know when Mahomes is going to make those miraculous throws to bail them out, and you never know when Kelsey or Hill are going to catch almost 200 yards worth of passes and combine for three or four touchdowns. Yeah. That can happen on any given Sunday, or in this case, Monday night. Because you can have a missed tackle, you can have a defensive back slip in coverage, you can have a pass interference penalty that results in a 50-yard gain. There are a plethora of things that could happen that will allow those three guys to take over a game all by themselves. And that's the problem the Giants face tonight. Lance Meadow, Jeff Eagles, Paul Dottino with you here, Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. 
Taking all the action of New York Giants football from your very own private suite. Giant suites are a great way to entertain the family and friends while rooting on your Giants at MetLife Stadium. Speak with a Giants suite rep now. You can call 888-NYG-1925. Also, on an unrelated note, the Delta variant is spreading quickly in all areas of New York State. People who are not fully vaccinated are at greater risk from COVID-19. Protect yourself. Get vaccinated. Visit ny.gov slash get vaccinated or talk to your health care provider. All right, let's reopen up the phone lines here as we move along. Jeff is in Maine, and he joins us. What's happening, Jeff? Jeff going once. Jeff That's going Jeff's twice. In Jersey. I know I'm in Jersey. I'm not in <laughs> well, we know one Jeff is here. We know the one in Maine is uh, three strikes and you're out. All right, let's see if Matt in Florida is a little bit more talkative. What's happening, Matt? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, guys. All right, Matt. I just want to say, Floor is uh, yours. What do you got for us? And um, I appreciate the get. Uh, what you guys do. And, Thank you. Uh, well, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate it. Give a call in and give a little insight what I think's going on tonight. So uh, I think we have a really good shot tonight, and it's going to be unlikely source. I believe uh, Devontae Booker is going to carry the load tonight, rush for buck 30, buck 20. And uh, I don't think Jones is going to do that well, but um, I think Booker will – do enough to get the job done and we're gonna I forget who mentioned it but somebody earlier in the week mentioned that um we we have to force Mahomes to dink and dunk which is what I believe we'll do as uh Graham likes to play that soft zone in some spots kind of don't really love it but I think it'll be effective tonight and uh be able to get us to win and I'm going to take it off the air now because I got a couple things to do, but I appreciate you right, taking the call. Real well, quick, for the, call. the Chiefs are giving up over four and a half yards of carry. So, yes, they have been susceptible to the run game. But the other thing about Booker is that throughout his career, he's been very good in pass protection. And if the Giants will use many multiple wide receiver sets, as I would think they would want to do, Booker's going to be important in helping to keep whatever pass rush the Chiefs are able to muster with their blitzes off of Daniel Jones. They actually did a good job containing Derrick Henry the previous week, but that was big part of, right, Spags' philosophy. We're yes. not going to let Derrick Henry ruin the game. Something tells me Spags is not coming into this game Mm-mm. saying we're going to prevent Derrick nope. uh, Devontae Booker from damaging this game. Well, you know so what? it's a little bit different. It, and, and all your good defensive coordinators will always start with, who is the guy that we need to limit or take out of the game, right? They always yeah. do that. The best guys always do that. And they say, okay, listen, we've got enough that we can kind of handle him, and then we have enough to give ourselves a chance with the rest of the lineup. Mm-hmm. Well, now that's why I'm suggesting to go to a lot of two-by-two sets because the weakest part – of Kansas City's defense is their pass defense. And if you put the Giants four out there, again, consider this. They don't have Galladay. But if I've got Slayton and I've got Shepard and I've got Tony, and I don't even care who the other fourth wide receiver is, how are they going to match up? Is is, is Spags going to say, i got to take Tony out? We know how explosive he is. You know, he's the, the Tyreek Hill clone, supposedly, right? Uh, is he going to try to take Shepard out, who's one of the best route runners and slot guys in the league? Um, is he going to try to deal with Slayton, who we know when he's right on the outside, he is a very dangerous receiver. You see, to me, that creates more headaches for Spags. I think if I'm 
Spags, clearly, if Tony's playing tonight, my focus is to try to contain him because I think he could certainly damage a game. Well, then Shepard so, should have a feast. Well, of course. But that would and by be, the way, if I you think, were to ask me, I think if I'm looking at the Giants' offense right now, I think Tony's the guy that I don't want him to put his stamp all over this game. Yeah, I, I probably agree with you. I think he's probably going to be more fearful of him than anybody else. But then that means Slayton and Shepard should be challenged by one-on-one matchups. And I think the other receiver, you might want to put Pettis as the other receiver to get that mm-hmm. speed on the field. Yeah, and, and the tight end. Don't, don't, don't discount yeah. to Evan Well, Ingram you know what, though? Either. Here's the thing, Here's the thing, um, Jeff. I would think that if I were to play uh, uh, the tight end, you know, just one tight end and not go with a lot of double tight ends, I'd probably play Rudolph more mm-hmm. because he could give me more blocking. And I know Caden Smith's been beat up a little bit, whether he's going to play. He has. Yeah. I believe his knee. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's a question mark coming into this game. So I would probably lean toward giving Rudolph more snaps because, look, he's going to send Spags. He's going to send a lot of six-man pressures. Okay? That's just what he does. They send more six-man pressures than anybody in the league. And if you've got five offensive linemen, right, so he's going to have somebody who's probably going to come free. So that means either Booker or the tight end is going to have to be responsible for that other guy. And remember, this is not necessarily something that, to me, gives the Chiefs an advantage, but if we're getting into the head of Spags, he was here when Sterling was on the roster and Evan Ingram was on the roster as a rookie. So if Spags has any idea of Giants personnel, he's got a little bit better intel of those two guys than Tony. So that's why I'm saying to myself, if Spags is sort of playing the guessing game, I would think he'd want to focus in on guys maybe that he wasn't around here for compared to, not to overlook Engram and Shepard, but I think that he at least understands their strengths because he's been in front of them in game situations much more so than he's been around a guy like Tony. Well, he's also he also gets to see Tyreek Hill every day in practice and understand sure. how dangerous no those guys it. are like. <laughs> so, yeah. and I'm you know I'm not ready to compare the two, but uh, as far as skill set and things that you're going to use him, you know, both those guys have their own plays. Both those guys are going to get the ball so many touches a game, and and that's that's really all that's what they need to do. They got to get the ball and then they make plays. So. I'm going to concentrate if I'm if I'm Spags, I'm I'm paying attention to Kadarius Tony. Now I know he's coming off an injury, so maybe he's not a hundred percent. But you know, a ninety percent Kadarius Tony is still pretty dangerous. Well, and Jeff, opinion. you have to assume he's fully healthy coming into yeah. the game. I mean, sure. you can't say he's eighty-five percent. You go full-blown yeah. on defense and yeah. expect him to be ready to go. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. You're right. Let's head back to the phone lines. It seems as if we have found Jeff in Maine. Jeff, Hello, Jeff what do you got for us? Oh, hey guys. Hello. I'm just um, glad Charlie oh. didn't throw you off the lobster boat. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. <laughs> um, some good points there. Another great show. Uh, after that one caller uh, last Friday, I can see why you guys don't like to talk up draft during the season. Um, you know, that black guy was bonkers anyway. He needs to get back on his meds. But um, <laughs> the thing is, if you, <laughs> if, if, you, you know, if you make a – if you say something about an upcoming game, you'll know in a few days if you're right or not. But if you – you know, you could argue till you're blue in the face about the draft, but you won't even know if you're right or not for like three or four years half the time. Right. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, the uh, bottom line is we're focused time, on actually. the season right now. So, you know, we say we spend an entire right. offseason going over every right. single team, all the draft prospects. It would be pointless right. for us to waste our time now when we all look forward to the season to actually talk about the game. And the game tonight. Yes, exactly. Uh, well, exactly, exactly. I do just have a real quick uh, big picture thing involving Dave Gettleman, though. And um, I think that uh, people shouldn't judge him until the end of next year, simply because 
uh, that he hasn't finished rebuilding the team yet. You know, in the spring, you know, seven picks in the first four rounds, you know, we got great, uh, 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 you know, uh, skill guys, and I'm sure he'll get a couple of great offensive line, you know, road graders, and, you know, then you, you'll be able to judge, you know, him and also the coach judge for that matter. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to get that out there, and I'll, I'll leave, take it off there. <laughs> All right, Jeff. Appreciate the phone call. Listen, the bottom line is we say this every season, and I don't think this season differs from anything else. If the Giants are going to make decisions about the future of the team, it's going to come at the end of the season. That's the track record of this organization. They don't make drastic moves over the course of the middle of the season simply because maybe the team is struggling here or there. So, I mean, once again, the focus is on the Kansas City Chiefs tonight. Any potential speculation about what the structure of the roster is going to look like and who's going to make decisions comes at the tail end of the season. I get it. Fans want to delve into conversations about what next week is going to look like, but nobody has a crystal ball, and it's really it's completely pointless because, once again, look at the team's track record, and you tell me the last time multiple changes occurred flat in the middle of a season, other than the whole Ben McAdoo situation, which was a very unique circumstance. So I think that tells you all you need to know. Now, with respect to this game coming up tonight, we were talking about the key strategies of the key matchups. The other thing that's important, guys, that I want to get to before we wrap up shop, which is somewhat unrelated to the Giants, but the trade deadline is coming up tomorrow at 4 p.m. Eastern. And before we came on the air, the Broncos and the Rams actually pulled off a trade. Von Miller is going to the Rams to join forces with Aaron Donald. And according to ESPN's Adam Schefter... And Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> that's right, Ramsey, too, on the back end. I was just focusing on what they're going to work with in the front seven. Jeez. But it involves two second-day 2022 draft picks that the Broncos are going to get in return. And part of this also is the fact that Von Miller has had more than a decade in the NFL. He missed last season due to an injury. He's now been battling an ankle injury. So, you know, you're not getting Von Miller for the next five years in terms of acquiring him. But, you know, this is certainly, I think, an indication the Rams are not messing around. They're 7-1. and one. They believe they're in very good shape to make a Super Bowl run. And if they can get Von Miller to be in the lineup consistently, and they know with Aaron Donald and some of the other guys. Remember, they also have Leonard Floyd, too. They don't need him, you know, to get 10 sacks. They just need him to be another guy that the offense needs to pay attention to. So, I mean, that's a pretty notable move that could certainly shake things up in the NFC moving forward here. Also reading that the uh, Broncos are going to pick up $9 million of salary. That was More of a, a reason thing. why I'm sure they made this move. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> because they're thinking yeah. about the future. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, and Paul, you had mentioned, you know, about salary. That's that. There it is. There it came in to play. So, um, yeah, you know, it it, you know, you know, the baseball and the football trade deadlines are different. You know, there isn't much going on. But this, listen, we got today and tomorrow, and it's it's going to happen. So there's going to be teams that are going after. And what happens is you're looking at teams that are going to make a run and that have injuries that either have happened or guys are just aren't going to be able to come back. And that's when they go looking for players on other teams, and they've got a little window between now and tomorrow, and we'll see what happens with, with the trade deadline with all the NFL teams. Jeff, well, figuratively speaking, we're at the midpoint of the season, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. The third and final NFC wildcard team, there are a bunch of them tied with four losses. How many losses do the Giants have right now? Um, Giants have five. They have five. That's the last time I checked. Okay. So, to be honest with you, uh, right now, I have no idea if the Giants are buyers or sellers because when you are one loss out of a cluster of uh, teams tied for the third wild card spot, uh, it doesn't make it clear cut. 
as to what you should or should not be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why we're not. And that's doing about it. the only thing I've got to say <laughs> about the trade deadline. Yeah. Well, hey, listen. I, if it, I think it only makes sense if that you're going to give up something that you get something back that's really better than you know. And, and by the way, you, you, all those conversations can come into effect. You know, if you're moving in the right direction, you think you got a chance here and there, but. You know, you're just not going to trade somebody because somebody wants it and they're not going to give you anything. You know, it's just like that's just not going to work. So it it's has to make be, sense. It's yeah, got to make sense. It, in fact, it's got to make more sense when you're giving somebody something away, in my opinion. You know, so and it's almost like it, there's a need where there's a need. There's a reason. Right. Somebody needs something. They're going to overpay for it. So it might be a higher draft pick. It might be picking up nine million dollars in salary. Whatever it is, somebody needs it. They're going to get it. But well, you gotta and that's be, why. I didn't mean to cut you off, Jeff, okay. but no, ju- just to piggyback off of your point, and I understand Paul's emphasizing based on the record, sometimes it's hard to tell whether or not a team is going to be a buyer or a seller, but I think the trade deadline is not just about the immediacy of the 2021 season. Sometimes you'll see a team say to themselves, we're not going to re-sign this guy. He's scheduled to be a free agent. Why don't we try to maybe get something for him at this point as right. opposed to losing him for nothing? So that may be their thought process, right. and it may be a team that has a winning record or it may be a team that's in the basement. I could see a team looking through that lens. You could also see a team saying, hey, we're really interested in a player. We have every effort in our back pocket to try to sign him. Maybe if we could get a head start by acquiring him and then start the negotiations early, maybe they look at that as a leg up. So I don't, I guess what I'm saying is I don't look at the trade deadline as only an indication of a team is making a move because they're telling you they're either in it for this season or they're completely done. Sometimes they try to get a head start on the following campaign. Which is what the Giants did with Leonard Williams. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't read so much into, well, why is this team doing this move? It may really have nothing to do with the current campaign. Right. Sure. Potentially. Potentially. Yeah, we'll, so, we'll you know, that, that's something that at least people need to at least keep in mind. Yeah, we got about 26 hours, and we'll find out. Well, and you know what? <laughs> you had mentioned the baseball deadline. In the last few years, though, Jeff, things seem to have heated up in football. There's been a few Oh no, I, I, Much absolutely. more activity than I think we've seen in recent history. I think that the trade, because years ago, the NFL, it, the trade deadline came and went. It, no, but there was nothing. It was just like, whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I think lately it's it's kind of people have realized, and probably for the discussions that we just had, is that there's just a lot more that goes into it. And in today's world, with the salary cap, the way it is, I think that it comes into play a little bit more about how some guys are kind of giving up on things and they need to, to position themselves for the following year. So there's a lot more that goes into it as as the league has moved towards, you know, a bigger salary and, and things like that. So it all comes into play. And, yes, you're right. I think that it has been more active. Um, than it ever used to be. Definitely. Paul brought up the nature of the NFC, and this somewhat relates to the Giants. Right now, after yesterday's results, you've got four teams in the NFC that are either 6-1 or 7-1. Yeah. Just to look at the layout of the land, then the Bucks and the Saints each have two losses, and then Paul was referring to Carolina right now is 4-4. Four and four. And if the playoffs were to start today, the Panthers would have that seventh and final playoff spot. But the Vikings are 3-4. and four. You know, they've played one less game because they didn't have a bye. San Francisco also is 3-4, and four, as well as the Atlanta Falcons. So, you know, there's a bunch of teams right smack together and I think we saw that last season but as far as the NFC East is concerned you know the one thing that's important to note guys and I know the Giants right now listen the bottom line is their focus is you just got to win a game and start gaining some momentum so 
But the Cowboys right now have a four-game cushion in the loss column on everybody else <laughs> in the division. Yeah, and it's kind of crazy. The reason I'm bringing that up is, remember last season we were talking about nobody was in position to run away with things, mm-hmm. right? That's why everyone was so neck and neck and still alive. This year, it seems as if we could be trending in the complete opposite direction based on what we're seeing. Well, they've been the stealing point. games more than a burglar steals fruit from the fruit stand. When they did it again last night, but it doesn't matter because their record is what it is and they have a huge lead. And it seems pretty obvious at this point that no one in the NFC could really have a realistic thought at the moment of catching them. Unless, of course, there's a significant injury, which we never know about in this league. Sure. Well, and that always shakes things up. So, for example, I don't know if you guys saw, I mean, as we're trying to encompass a conversation about the NFL, Derrick Henry, the Titans announced he's now undergoing surgery. They're not ruling him out for the season, but... Based on reports, it could be a season-ending injury. You don't think that now changes the outlook? Well, of course of Tennessee, it does. Right? Big no time. doubt about it. Big time. Yeah. You just you never know with these things in the NFL. Nope. It's crazy. That's why I wouldn't be surprised Tennessee may make a trade for a running back. Well, they said or that they could go out and Adrian, sign somebody. They just, I just saw on Twitter that they're, they're going to bring in Adrian Peterson. I saw that, but they haven't officially added him, no. though, right? He's no, just going to no, work out. I'm just saying, that's, you talk yeah. about, you know, that's a, yeah, I mean, really. That they're a team that they they got somebody they got to go get somebody. I mean that's horrible, man. I was that that guy was gonna that guy was gonna go over two thousand yards again, right? He was on I pace mean, for it. I yeah. Mean, well, do the Saints stick with Taysom Hill at quarterback? Winston's done. There's another one. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Well, Taysom did yeah. take over. Remember when Drew got hurt? So it's possible that Sean Payton gives him the reins. But remember. You also have Taysom Hill banged up now. He's We're not even fully healthy. He wasn't concussion. available in That's yesterday's right. game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, do the Saints, you know, one of the things I was thinking about is, and part of me thinks Sean Payton is the type of guy that feels good he could scheme regardless of the quarterback. Don't you get that feel, guys? I mean, yeah. look at how many quarterbacks he's won with over the last few years. He's won with Teddy. He's won with Jameis. He's won with Taysom. I don't know if the Saints are the type of team that are thinking we should go out and acquire Andy Dalton from the Chicago Bears. I don't know. Part of me thinks they're going to stick with what they have, if well, you ask beat, me my gut feeling. Yeah, they beat a team, Tampa Bay, yesterday. So They I beat mean, them with Trevor Simeon yeah, at the controls. I, I yeah. just feel like I think you're spot on with, um, with, with Peyton. He is a guy that can scheme any type of you know, quarterback that he has. Um, and one thing that, that Sean Payton does well is that he understands what these guys can do and they can't do, and he will call plays to, to benefit them. He's not gonna he's not gonna call plays for Trevor Simeon or uh, Jameis Winston that Drew Brees can execute. Sometimes, you know what I mean. So they have their yep. own little select few plays that these guys can't run, and he knows that, and he just puts them in positions to succeed. And when you got Kamara in there, and you got a defense that's playing pretty well, you know it's it's he does a nice job. So I that think was that's a big a great win point, for Jeff. them yesterday. Yeah. It's how you evolve as a coach in terms of not trying to squeeze your players into your philosophy, but adapting to them. I think they do a really effective job with respect to that. All right, that is going to wrap up Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. So we are on tonight, WFAN, our Giants radio pregame show starting at 645. And then we'll be on following the game on WFAN as well for full postgame coverage so you can follow us all throughout the night. The pregame show, by the way, is streamed on Giants.com. The postgame is not. You'll have to go through WFAN to listen to that, but the pregame you can hear by just going to the Giants website as well. We'll kick things off at 645, and then we'll be back up and running with Big Blue Kickoff Live tomorrow at 12.30 p.m. Eastern, continuing to recap tonight's game between the Giants and the Chiefs. So enjoy football to wrap up Week 8. 
Thanks so much for staying locked to Giants.com and Big Blue Kickoff Live. For Jeff Fegels, Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. We'll speak to you on Tuesday. Have a good one.